you'll stand with me all over the room. We're going to read just a couple verses of Scripture, and we're going to pray and get into the message today. The book of Esther, chapter 4. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I want to preach to you this morning a message the Lord has given me. I've just simply titled, Crying at the King's Gate. If you will, pray with me and for me. Father, we love you. We praise you can't thank you enough, Lord, for what you've already done in this house today. But God, I also thank you for these beautiful people and this beautiful crowd that you've sent into this second service. So God, today I pray that your spirit would be rich and real to them if it has not been already. That you would speak to us today, God, from your word. That I wouldn't speak with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but that your word would come forth today in the demonstration of your spirit and in power. God, I pray today more than anything that You would speak to hearts. You would change lives. And that, God, we would hear what you are saying to us today and receive your word. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I want to read again verse 14. He says, for if you keep silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This well-known verse for most of us that have read the story of Esther or heard the story of Esther or been taught the story of Esther in Sunday school. For those of us that have been in church a long time, this well-known verse came as a challenge from a man named Mordecai to his cousin, Esther. And Esther had recently been made the queen. But even this familiarity of this passage of Scripture, have you ever just taken the time to think about this passage regarding your own life and what it means to you? Think about this. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Did you realize that there is no happenstance or coincidence with God. God is in control of all things from the beginning to the end. And He chose to have you and me born into this world. He chose for us to be living at this time and He has given every single one of us in this room a divine purpose. Somebody help me preach this morning. And as we take for a moment today to look at the story of Esther, I believe and it's my prayer and my hope that we will gain a greater understanding of our own responsibility in this day in which we are living. Because you see, there is a responsibility that falls upon the believer as you walk with Christ. Oh yeah, I knew that was going to be quiet. Let me say that again. There is a responsibility on the believer as you walk with Christ. You and I all have a responsibility. And the Bible tells us that Esther, 
was brought into the proximity of the king for a purpose that she did not initially understand. And nevertheless, though, as a new bride, Esther frequently began meeting with the king. And she began to learn more and more about him and more about her new role. And see, similarly, when you and I turn to the Lord, when you and I give our hearts and our lives to Jesus Christ, when we were born again, we were brought into close proximity to the King of Kings. Hallelujah. We were forgiven. We were covered with a beautiful garment of righteousness and we were allowed and permitted to have access to God Almighty. And as new believers in Christ, we too had to learn to meet with God. We had to learn to pray and spend time in prayer. Somebody help me this morning. We had to learn to study the Bible. We had to learn and get in the habit of going to church. Hello. You got to get in the habit of going to church. And they be, we began to do that and we began to adapt to our new responsibilities as we walked with the Lord. But after a while, you see, a lot of times those things tend to go on fairly routinely. Sometimes they just even happen without us realizing it. For instance, many of you who just don't miss church. I was thinking about this as I was getting ready this morning. You know, in my house, bless Abby and Shelby's little heart, it has never been an option for them to go to church or not. It's just they don't even, they don't even complain anymore. They don't even think of it. Do you think they want to be here every Sunday? I promise you, I'm sure there's some Sundays they don't want to be here. But they don't even think about it. They don't even complain about it anymore. They just get up when the alarm goes off, no matter how tired, they just get ready because they know they got to come. Some of you that are faithful and you've just gotten in that habit, you just get up and you just got ready. You didn't even give a second thought about staying home today. You just got up and you got ready and you came to the house of God. And unfortunately, the tragedy of it all is that the human tendency is not only to become familiar with something, but to grow bored with it over a period of time. You see, in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we can become bored with prayer. We can become bored with just going to church. Hello. We can become bored with just paying our tithes. We can become bored with just doing those things that we know we ought to do. And it's the reason that so many relationships, I'm going to preach a little bit right here this morning, it's a reason that so many relationships fall apart today. It's a reason that so many families fall apart today. Because people can start out in a good relationship, whether they're passionately in love or whether they're just best friends, only to end up growing apart and becoming distant with each other. Or maybe you know somebody who when they started this new job, uh, they came to you and they were bragging all about, oh, how wonderful my new job is, my new employer is, oh, I love the new job. But yet after a few years, they're telling everybody how miserable they are. Hello. And they're constantly looking at their watch, counting down the hours the entire time they're at work. Why? Because they get bored with it. It gets old. The new wears off. And it's something that is within the fallen nature of every single one of us fallen nature of mankind that when the new wears off we get bored with the routine so we read though that Esther went on and while I'm sure it was a wonderful beginning something had happened over time she began to grow more and more distant from the king and meanwhile the news 
of a cry at the king's gate came to her one day. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city and he cried out with a loud and a bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting. And many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. This cry that was going out was essentially saying, Help us, Esther. We're not clothed in the royal robes that have been given to you. We don't have the same access, Esther, to the king that you do. We can cry, but only from a distance. We can't get inside the king's gate. Esther, don't leave us behind. Don't forget about us. Though you may think that you may be able to escape because of where you are, we cannot escape this sentence of death that is spreading through our streets and spreading through our culture. Remember, Esther, that you are the one who has access to the king. Don't forget us. Don't forsake us. That was the cry that was going forth at the king's gate. Can I tell you that in the day in which we live. This represents the cry that is arising as the law of sin and death seemingly advances unchallenged throughout our society. It's destroying homes. It's destroying minds. And it's even destroying children while they're still in their mother's womb. Hello. It is the cry of our youth who have no direction, who don't have a daddy at home, who are just looking for somebody to direct them. It's the cry of the single parent who does not know where the provision is coming from. Who doesn't know where the rent money is coming from. It's the cry of the person outside these walls that is contemplating suicide. Because they don't see a future. They can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's the cry of the addict who cannot see a way out of their addiction. And it's the cry of the lost who think they've done too much and gone too far for God to forgive them and the cry is going out just outside the king's gate see people in our generation are trying to cry out to God but they can only get so close they don't have the same access to the king that we do So what was Esther's response to this cry? Verse 4. When Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. See, I believe that there must have been some kind of inkling in Esther's heart, just as there is in many of ours today. That she was being led toward a purpose that was far deeper than she could naturally see or understand. See, if you're walking with the Lord, 
there's a good chance that you likely have heard the speaking of His Spirit. The inner whispers that sometimes seem too unreal for you to believe, yet somehow you can sense and you already know that God has a purpose and that God has a plan that is far beyond what you think you are capable of accomplishing. But listen, however, just like Esther tried to put a different set of garments on Mordecai, you and I often try to push these whispers away. We try to push the voice of the Lord away and we give them another appearance. Hello. We clothe them with something else so that we can just remain comfortable in our comfort zone. But the Bible goes on to tell us in verses 5 through 9. Watch this. Then Esther called for Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and to plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. And then we see that Esther then sent this word back to Mordecai in verse 11. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. Perhaps Esther felt unloved and undesired. She may have even wondered in her heart, is is there some flaw in me? Why the king would draw back? Sure, I I could have made a difference before, but, but how can I do anything now? I've not even heard him say, I love you. In such a long time. See Mordecai. Could not have came. To the gate. At a worse time. And you see. As believers in Christ. If we'll be real. This morning. Can we be real this morning. Sometimes we too. Feel helpless. Undesirable. And unwanted. And possibly even. Unloved. And Esther is the type of Christian in this generation to object who objects to the call of God on his or her life. But but you see, here's what we say. But you see, you don't understand. Uh, uh, preacher, wait just a minute. You you don't understand. You see, my relationship with the king is not what it used to be. Things have kind of cooled off. He's not even been speaking to me recently. You you, you should have come to me, preacher, five years ago or ten years ago or maybe you're saying 15 years ago when my relationship with God was hot. 
when my prayers were fervent, when I was on fire for God, when I used to attend every prayer meeting, when I used to hear the voice of God speak to me every day, you should have came to me then. It was a powerful love relationship. But now, I don't even know how to approach the king. I'm afraid that is the condition of many of the masses of our churches today. We know what it was like when we first got saved. Lord, help me. Help me, Holy Ghost. We know what it was like when we used to be on fire for the Lord. We know what it was like when God's Spirit used to fall in the midst of the congregation. Hello. We know what it was like when the Spirit of God would move and people would be healed before they even approached the altar. Hello. We know what it was like when when addicts used to get set free just standing in the back of the church watching the worship take place. We know what it was like when sinners couldn't sit in their seats but they ran as fast as they could to an altar of prayer. We know what it was like. But now we find our own trouble approaching the king and getting into his presence. And nevertheless, despite the initial reservations in her heart, Esther ended up doing what all of us should do. She found some friends who would fast and pray with her who would fast and pray with her. Now, I hope I'm not about to upset anybody. But if I am, I'm apologizing in advance. I, when we do the fast in this church every January, I encourage you to fast however the Lord directs you for 21 days. But I'm afraid that we have came into a society who no longer knows what it is to do a total fast, to, do, to have a total fast for a period of time and seek God for an answer. But see, Jesus, I'm reminded that when Jesus was with the disciples and there was this possessed person, that this possessed man that they were praying for and they prayed over him and tried to get that demon out of him. Some of you probably won't like what I'm about to say. And they were praying over him and they just couldn't get anywhere. So finally they turned it over to Jesus. And when Jesus walked over and prayed for him the evil spirits had to go. The evil presence had to go. And they said, Lord, why could we not do that? We were praying in your name. We were praying those spirits to go. Why could we not do that? Jesus said, I'll tell you why this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting not just prayer he said it don't come out but by prayer and fasting I didn't even do this in the 845 service but I feel encouraged to do it right now if you need an answer from God in your life and you need God to move on a situation I'm telling you to push the plate back sanctify fast declare a solemn assembly find yourself a prayer closet and get down on your knees and cry out to a God who says I'll hear you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you all the way. There is no mountain too steep. There is no valley too low. There is nothing that you will go through that I will not be with you. Find you 
Find you a place. Sanctify a fast. And watch God do what God does best. So she found some friends that would pray and fast with her. And then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, verse 16. Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. See, Esther had finally come to the place where she was no longer seeking her own provision or her own safety. Rather, she was going to the throne for the sake of a people who were under a law of death. And she was fully aware that what she was doing could cost her her very life. But she was serious about her request. She meant business with God. She meant business with God. Can I tell you something this morning as transparently as I know how? This is not an entertainment center. This is not, this worship team is not for your listening pleasure. This screen is not for your entertainment. What we do in this place on Sundays is not just to make you feel good and send you out stepping high when you leave. You will leave out stepping high if you've been in the presence of God. But we need some people. My God, where are the people who mean business with God? Where are the people who are serious about their request with God? Where are the people that know what it is to pray and to fast and to watch the hand of God move? Where are the people who know what it is to teach this next generation that there is a way that seemeth right to a man but the end thereof are the ways of death but there's a book that lines out your path there's a book that will lead God and direct you if you'll find if you'll seek those old paths when you find them if you'll walk in them there is a way to overcome hallelujah there is a way to overcome. Lord have mercy. I feel something that's not even in my notes. You don't have to be bound by the spirit of depression. You don't, oh God, hallelujah. You don't have to be bound by the spirit of suicide. You don't have to be bound by feeling like you're always less than. You got to compare yourself to other people. Young ladies, you don't have to be bound to some kind of definition that social media places on your life and an expectation that you've got you. No, no, no. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God and you don't have to be bound oh hallelujah by that it's time that we become serious about our request and that we mean business with God and it was in that very place of being abandoned to the will of God it was in that place where she was determined that even if it cost her her life, it was in that place 
where Esther found favor with the king. (laughs) And she was granted her request. Ultimately, she was even given the power to rewrite the law of death into a law of life, enabling the people of God to stand up and to gain the victory that was theirs. Esther essentially became a co-ruler with her husband, which was unheard of in the Medo-Persian Empire. Why'd you say all that, Pastor? Here's why I said that. In the same way, you and I are called to more than just a Sunday morning religion. I said you and I are called to more than just a Sunday morning religion. We are called to reign with Christ. The last time I checked, when somebody's reigning, that means they're in a position of authority. Hello. We were called to reign with Christ. We have forgotten that we are the bride of Christ. He's looking to you and to me and his church in this generation. And here's what the Lord is saying. He's saying, I want something deeper from you. Oh, hello. I don't want you to simply come in here and just tell me that you love me and just lift your hands in worship. No, no, I'm looking for a partnership. I'm looking for a relationship. I'm looking for a bride who will rule and reign with me not just in eternity but in this lifetime in the here and now he said now I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy not then not when we reign then God has given us power for right now now Psalms 149 2-9 let Israel celebrate its maker Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise him with dancing. It's all right to dance. I'm glad it is because if you'd have been here at 845, you'd have seen me do it. It's all right to dance. And make music to him with the tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. And he adorns the humble with salvation. Let the faithful celebrate in triumphal glory. Let them shout for joy on their beds. Let the exaltation of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands, inflicting vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, binding their kings with chains and their dignitaries with iron shackles, carrying out the judgment decreed against them. This honor is for all His faithful people. Hallelujah. That's what the psalmist said. We ought to listen. He said in verse 6, Let the exaltation of God be in their mouths. Can I tell you this morning, you know what? We need to learn that it does not matter what we're facing or what we're going through in this life. We 
need to learn to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise and to be thankful unto him as the word says and bless his name. We ought to let the exaltation of God always be on our lips. We ought to always have a praise. But watch what verse 6 also said. And a double-edged sword in their hands. I want to tell you something this afternoon. I believe it's already after 12. Yeah, I'll tell you something this afternoon. You don't need, oh God help me today. Don't be throwing no darts at me. I ain't even going to look at you. You don't need to get on Facebook and try to fight your battle with words. You don't need to get on Twitter and try to fight your battle with words. You don't need to get on Instagram or any form of social media and try to fight your battle with words because your words will do nothing but hurt the innocent. But God's word will cut down the enemy. I said God's word will cut down the enemy. A double-edged sword in their hands. The psalmist is saying, if only those who belong to God would understand the spiritual authority that they have. If only we would remember that we're not fighting flesh and blood. And if only we would remember that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Paul went on to finish that verse by saying, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. See, the verse says that we have this authority when our obedience is fulfilled. In other words, when we have chosen the ways of God. When we have chosen the things of God. When everything is not going the way you wanted it to go. When times are hard and the trouble is real and the circumstances are overwhelming and sometimes like this last week that I had, ministry is overwhelming. You can't get everywhere that everybody needs at the same time. But regardless of of all of those things, for the people that have decided, you know what, I'm going to keep going to church. Hello. I'm going to keep reading my Bible. Hello. I'm going to keep getting in my prayer closet and communing with God. I'm going to keep paying my tithes because I know I'm supposed to. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing that the God that I serve is more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly above everything we could ask or think. I'm going to believe the people that have chosen the ways of God and the people that have decided to no longer sit on the sidelines as a spectator. I'm afraid that we have turned church into a spectator sport. We just want to come and sit back and watch what everybody does. But we're supposed to come and lift up the name of Jesus. Because you're fighting a real battle out there. Whether you want to admit it or not, honey, everything in your life is not social media perfect. Hello. Uh, I could preach a whole message on that. 
Yeah. My wife ain't the sweetest thing all the time. I know yours ain't. Hello. My kids ain't always perfect. I know yours aren't. I know where mine are 99% of the time because I track them on three different tracking devices. I'm like the Lord. Even if you ascend to the depths of the sea, I'm there with you. But we've turned church into a spectator sport where we just want to sit by and just watch. But God's looking for some people who are no longer going to sit on the sidelines as a spectator. God's looking for some people who are not just going to sit back and watch a whole generation get swallowed up in death. You see, it's important that you and I make this decision now. Shout now. I'm almost done. Shout now. Because we are standing at a pivotal juncture. I believe that we are in danger, and I believe this, as a society of losing our freedom of religion and speech. I believe that. There are, listen, I don't know how else to describe it except this, so don't get offended at me. But there are godless elements in this nation that are determined to pursue their full agenda. And their agenda is the destruction of everything that represents God and holiness. It's a serious time, and it's a sobering moment indeed. We can't even stand on the Word of God without being accused of hatred and bigotry. No, I don't hate nobody, and I'm not a bigot. But the book says what it says, and it means what it means, and I can't change it to suit your agenda. I can't change it to make you happy. I can't change it for anybody. It's the unadulterated, undefilable Word of God. It's infallible. It's been from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. You cannot change it. You cannot rewrite it. You can't bend it and make it comfortable. All you can do is read it and apply it and live by it. So I come this morning to admonish you to take seriously the crying at the King's Gate right now. I encourage you this morning, let's go in. I said let's go in. And let's ask God to do something in us that will enable us to rewrite the law of death for somebody else into a law of life. Let's ask God for unselfish hearts that truly, genuinely care for the lost souls around us. I have this other philosophy And I'm not bashing any churches. Don't think that. I'm just responsible for this one. So I'm just going to tell you the way I feel that God wants us to be. I'm afraid that too many people today are happy and they they are content as long as there are a certain number of people coming. As long as there is a certain amount of financial influx. As long as there are programs that just cater to everybody and suit their needs, then everybody's happy. But I want to tell you something this morning. What happened with those who, to those who had a genuine concern for the lost? What happened to the people that would become so burdened for somebody in their family who was lost that they couldn't eat, they couldn't sleep, they couldn't do anything except lay awake at night and cry out for God to save that lost family member? What happened to church? 
churches that would get burdened for a city and that would come in and that would pray and say, oh God, move in our city. It doesn't matter if you started in the church down the road. Hello, as long as you move in our city, it don't matter where it starts or where it comes from, but we need a move of God that our young people have never seen in their lives. But you've got to remember, there cannot be a spiritual awakening without prayer. And our prayer will not be effective as long as it's self-focused. The people who will have an impact on this generation are those who will go to the throne of God. And who will take their authority as the bride of Christ. Who won't be worried about who's watching them. And the spectators that are sitting by. Who are not afraid to throw in their very lives with their prayer as Esther did. It'll be those who say, Lord, you told us that we were going to rule and reign with you for all eternity. But God, you've also given us power now. I already got ahead of myself earlier. Power now to tread upon serpents and scorpions. Power now to tread upon over all the power of the enemy. You said that nothing would by any means hurt us. God, you've not given us a spirit of fear, hello, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And therefore, if I perish... I perish. I said if I perish, I perish. That's the kind of attitude that we need to have when we go to the throne. Because I refuse to sit on the sidelines and give this generation over to darkness. Hello. I refuse to watch my lost loved ones just keep treaching on their way to hell. I said I refuse to let the enemy have my children. I refuse to let the enemy destroy my finances. Hello. I refuse to live beneath my privileges as a child of God I'm going to pray like somebody who rules and reigns with Christ he's got it all in control and not only that I'm going to pray like he's my father and I'm his son Matthew 7 verses 7 through 11 I'm going to close Jesus said if they'll come to the music Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. I said I'm going to pray like he's my father and like I'm his son watch this for which one of you if his son asks him for bread will he give him a stone <laughs> or if he asks for a fish will he give him a serpent no if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him. We just have to ask. We just have to seek. We just have to knock. And it will be opened. Because He is a good 
good father. I said, he is a good, good father. Now I want to talk to somebody who may be sitting here and your situation is less than ideal. And you feel like maybe you have done wrong that brought about this situation. Or you feel like to some degree there's guilt on your part. And you just feel like, I, I can't. I can't get to where I was before. Maybe it's your desire to walk in boldness and authority, but yet you, just like Aunt Esther once did, you cannot help but feel less than desirable and unwanted. But I want you to consider the possibility that the distance that you are feeling is because God is calling you into something deeper. I love how it's written in the Song of Solomon, which is a type of Christ in His church. Solomon 2 and 14. My dove in the cliffs of the rock, in the crevices of the cliffs. See, you think I don't want to talk to you, but he said, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. In other words, oh, my beloved bride who's hiding yourself, who's trying to find refuge in something else that falls short of what I have for you, please don't be silent anymore. Don't buy the lie of the devil that I don't want to see you at my throne. You see, it's really quite the opposite. If you'll stand with me all over the house, it's quite the opposite. Here's what the Lord says. Revelations 3, 20 and 21. Behold, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers... I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. I came to tell somebody today, your victory is just one knock away. It could be, oh, I feel the Lord right now dealing with some people. Your victory could be just one knock away. See, Esther ultimately made the choice to approach the throne of the king and petition him for mercy. And she was granted her request. How much more, how much more will the king of kings be merciful to us if we ask? I close with this. Remember, remember the Lord has chosen you and me for such a time as this. Let's take courage and let's respond to the crying at the king's gate today and let's take those needs before the throne I'm not going to beg you or bribe you to come today but I'm telling you in this house for many of you I believe your answer, your victory is just a knock away they're going to sing and I invite you to come and find a place of prayer in this altar this morning this afternoon and talk to God and you watch him you watch him and witness him Move on your behalf. I can't stay here. Sleep to how you're moving. All over the house. I can't if you'll stay here. Complacent anymore. I can't stay here. My heart is full of longing. I can't stay here. I know what I'm made for.
every head bowed and every eye closed. I didn't do this in the 845 service, but I feel impressed to do it right now with nobody looking around, please. If you're sitting there and you say, Pastor, and I don't know whether, whether it is that maybe you were once in a close relationship with the Lord or maybe you've never accepted Him, but if you're sitting there today and you say, Pastor, I'm not in right relationship with God right now. And please, nobody looking around. I'm just talking to you. You're just talking to me and the Lord. I'm not in right relationship with the Lord right now. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up, please? Put it back down. Thank you. God bless that hand. Anybody else in the house today? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I'm not in right relationship with the Lord. Thank you. Anybody else? Church, I want to ask you to pray. And I want to ask all of you that will. I want to ask you, if you just lifted your hand, or if you know that you should have, I want to ask you, would you please be bold enough to take that first step? Step out of your seat and begin to make your way to this altar. If while nobody's looking around, would you just step out of your seat? And if you need somebody to go with you, thank you, young man. Thank you. God bless you. Yes, thank you. Somebody ought to be praising the Lord right now. Yes, hallelujah. Anybody else in the house today? Anybody else? that raised your hand, that'll step out. Nobody looking around. That'll just thank you. Anybody else that'll step out and say, I'm not in right relationship with God today. I saw the hands. Come on, church, listen. Don't let pride get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. God wants to raise up some Esthers in this generation. You may be the one that makes a difference for your people. If your relationship is not where it ought to be with God today, I encourage you, step out from where you are right now. If you raised your hand or if you know you should have, step out from where you are right now. Make your way to this altar. Anybody else with nobody looking around? Anybody else this morning? I'm not in right relationship with God. Now I just want to open it up for anybody that just says, I just want to be closer to Him, Pastor. That's what I want. I just want to be closer to him. This altar is open for you.